When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Now there's whiskey in it. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, no, it's lemonade. Yeah, Petey, it's lemonade. Taste this, Petey, taste it, taste it. Petey, just take a sip, just take a sip. God damn it, put it in your mouth, Petey. It's lemonade, but I put whiskey in it. It's inside Tinseltown here in the Knapsack Files feed. I'm Dutch Allen here on a Saturday night. Good to be here with you. We talk movies. We talk Hollywood. We talk gossip stories. I made films. I made pictures. I was the one telling a lot of people. You got go picture, kid. I'm here with my producer, Petey, who does not believe that my lemonade that I have right here in a uh, glass, in a sturdy glass... That's sturdy. Does not believe it's an alcoholic beverage. I uh, I would like to you to understand, Petey, that I could do a show if I wanted to. I could do a show sober. I don't want you to tell uh, my uh, agent, uh, my fifth wife, anybody that I, I need to have a drink to do the show. But that said, this lemonade has whiskey in it. Mm. So happy you're here. Mm, you're watching... You're listening. You're doing the thing. I'm having a lot of fun. I'm having a lot of fun. And we're not reviewing a movie today. I haven't seen a movie. I didn't see you. I saw the Star Wars picture. I saw the Star Wars picture. 42nd anniversary of George Lucas's picture about the space opera and the stars. I've told a lot of stories about George Lucas here on the Inside Tinseltown program. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't really have uh, many here today other than I do remember a telephonic conversation I had with Georgie Lucas about a month after Star Wars, as it was called then, before they started numbering the, the, the episodes, uh, like it was some kind of Saturday morning cartoon. They, uh, Georgie Lucas had made Star Wars. It was all over the world. It was so big. And I was trying to get him interviewed on the Dinah Shore program. I was a friend, a friend of Dinah. Rest in peace, Dinah. And I was talking to Georgie, and I was like, you got to get on the show and, and, and tell the world. You, you are the king now. Uh, accept your crown. Because that's a big thing in life. I think a lot of us out there do things that are very uh, impressive and uh, do things that are a certain degree of success, and we don't want to acknowledge it. Uh, we don't want our light to shine. I think that's bull bunk. You know what I mean? Bull bunk indeed. If you are worthy of a spotlight, tomorrow you might not be, so take the spotlight today. And I was telling Georgie this. I said, look, I loved American Graffiti. It was a great picture there. Uh, it was uh, harking back to uh, my middle age, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um, but, uh, I think I had more in common with the Wolfman Jack character than anything, but, uh, I loved the picture and it, and, and it was great. And, but Star Wars was even better and it didn't have uh, hot rods in it, it had space rods. And uh, I thought that was good. And I told George, yes, he's got to go on the dinosaur program and, uh, you just got to tell the whole world, uh, I'm here and I'm not going away. And he wasn't quite sure. He wasn't quite sure what to do next. I know he, 
he and a lot of his uh, friends, uh, Frankie Coppola, had been uh, talking about doing Apocalypse Now uh, together. Imagine a George Lucas Apocalypse Now picture would have been interesting. But that's not the timeline that we're on here. I do believe in other things, uh, like timelines and other dimensions, uh, Petey. I'll get, no, I'll get back to the Georgia Lucas stuff in a second there. I don't believe in it. But there's been some times where in the middle of the night I'll wake up and I'm like, I don't think I am who I am. And I think I'm on another plane of existence. I'm Dutch Allen, but I'm not Dutch Allen on Earth 1. I'm like Dutch Allen on Earth 7. What's he doing? I don't know. He has less money, it seems, at times. Yeah, I'll tell you that much. Maybe you got married. Maybe he got the first five marriages right. I don't know. I don't know. I want to meet that guy. But you don't, you don't get that sense that there's something else out there. There's something else out there. No? I know here that Abstract Files podcast feed, they're working on a show coming out soon uh, called The Mysteries uh, Mysteries and the Unexplained. It's supposed to be on here soon. And uh, I'm excited about that program there. I know the guy hosting the show there, Nolan Guthrie. Good guy. Good guy. Um, but I don't know if I believe in aliens. I don't know if I do. But I'll tell you one time. One time, I was driving in my Corvette. Uh, and I was heading over Laurel Canyon, and I went up to uh, the uh, Mulholland Drive there. You've been up to Mulholland Drive. It's a windy road. A lot of rich, falutin' people live up there. And a surprisingly amount of smelly, dirty hippies from the 60s moved up there, too, especially Laurel Canyon. A lot of them made music. Um, I once had a sandwich. There's a sandwich shop down there at the intersection of Laurel Canyon and, you know, I don't know, Curvy Road Drive, and it's a famous one there. And, uh, you know, Mick Fleetwood used to be there. It's where they supposedly, supposedly determined that, uh, yeah, we're going to say Lindsey Buckingham, Stevie Nicks. You know, I love the Mac, too, there. When I one time had a sandwich there, a, a pastrami on rye, which is uh, one of my favorite type of sandwiches there, Petey, and I had the sandwich there, and who should be... Come walking in there. Yeah, David Crosby from Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, if you're being accurate there at one point. There was a super, super group, really. And he was in there, and he's got that walrus face, the walrus mustache there. Back then, a little, a little less so than he does now, but then again, we all have a little less then than we have now. You know, that's that's okay. Uh, I, I tell you what, I got down to a 32 pant uh, at one point. Uh, not there now. I'll, that's all I'll say, Petey. But I, anyways, I shared a sandwich. I had a sandwich there and some little tables there. Dutch Allen is not the guy. He is a guy that gets a deli sandwich. He's not afraid of that. But Dutch Allen is not the type of guy that would uh, sit down on a, on a little bench at a deli restaurant and eat a sandwich in front of strangers. But I come out of there, and I was really starving that day. And David Crosby's there. He's so sweet. He's such a sweet guy. Hey, how you doing, Dutch? And we sit down, and I actually ate my sandwich across from him. He had a leafy green salad, and he had uh, some water with lemon in it there, which is a fine drink, but it's not my lemonade with whiskey, I'll tell you that much there. Mm. So anyways, I'm eating a sandwich with David Crosby, and I'm thinking, this is one of the greatest uh, you know, singer-songwriters, rock and roll stars of all time there, but I couldn't believe he lived in Laurel Canyon. Smelled a little bit like Haight-Ashbury up there in San Francisco, and I, uh, you know, what are you going to do? What's that? Oh, aliens, yeah. So one time, I'm up there driving. I'm driving up on Laurel Canyon. I'm heading from the valley, from the Studio City side there, my Corvette. My, I, had a, I had a red Corvette at the time. And uh, we go up there, and I, I make a left on uh, Mulholland. Now, if you go right, that's, that's how you kind of get down. You can cut down into Beverly Hills. You go left, you got to cut down more into the Hollywood side. You can go hit the... Uh, 
the, the famous where everyone does the hiking, but they don't really do the hiking. They're just there to for, for take a, a celebrity opportunity, a photo opportunity, maybe get discovered there. What is that? Run, running Canyon? Running? Run a lot? Runyon Canyon? Is that shit? That's the one. I have never hiked there because, you know why? Dutch Island doesn't need to be seen when he's hiking. Dutch Island's already been seen, you know? So, um... But if you head down there, you head there, you can head over the overlook. It's a famous overlook. You can look down the Hollywood Bowl there. Um, the Hollywood Bowl, i got to tell you something there. One time, I got rejected there by a very young Daryl Hannah. Uh, she was there. We were watching a concert there. Uh, I think it was like a, a greatest hits. Uh, it was like an Eagles type of show there. Uh, I know the Eagles weren't together yet. No, because this, this would be the late 80s there. Daryl Hannah, Hannah's coming off a of splash. I loved her. Loved her in the movie Roxanne with Steve Martin. He was a funny guy, but he was a weird guy. I played poker a few times with him and Carson and the, the folks up there back when he used to do it there. But Daryl Hannah was there. And, uh, you know, I was single at the time between wives. I don't know the number. I was between them. And I thought, you know, this is Hollywood. What you do, an, old, an older gentleman uh, has carte blanche to talk to the younger women. I got to tell you what, maybe not so much. Maybe not as much as we thought. I, don't th- I think looking back, I feel a little foolish. Um, I think she thought her grandfather was coming in to ask her for a light for a cigarette there because I did need one there at the time. That I, I can't remember. It's killing me that I don't remember the concert, Petey, that we were there for. Hollywood Bowl. It was, uh, I, you know what it was? I'll tell you what it was. It was Don Henley. That's why I said Eagles. Eagles went together. It was Don Henley, solo, Boys of Summer, that era. Big, big show there. I always, I love Don Henley. I think Glenn Fry made the Eagles, though. That's that's your thought. Rest in peace, Glenny Fry. But uh, I, um, I wasn't. I'll tell you what, though. I was always a gentleman. I was always a gentleman, and I, I wish, I wish, I wish other men out there who think they're gentlemen would listen to other gentlemen. I did uh, go up and I engaged uh, a younger Daryl Hannah in a conversation. Said I enjoyed you as the mermaid in the splash picture. Uh, Roxanne's one of my favorite uh, romantic comedies of all time. Really is, and it's a it's a remake of Cyrano uh, de Bergerac, which is the guy with the nose, right? It's a it's like a it's a Hitchcock or Shakespeare story or something like that, or a, a Van Gogh or something like that. I don't know, but uh, Steve Martin remade it, and it was really good. I really enjoyed it, and she was great in that. There, just uh, charisma, really, uh, you know, had a had a vulnerability to her that I really enjoyed at the time. And again, I might have had. This is probably when the alcohol was flowing there, because you walk up, you have to when you go to the Hollywood Bowl there. Yeah, a lot of you, if you want, you can go picnic there. But again, Dutch Allen is not going to picnic. Dutch Allen hasn't been on a picnic since he was seven and that's when i determined no more picnics for dutch island but uh, you go up there people bring wine and cheese and the picnic baskets and up there but you have to walk up the hill that i don't care who you are celebrity or not i there was no point i could say i'm dutch island i don't want to walk up this hill you gotta go so i get up to the top i was a little wheezy i see dale hannah i have some drinks in me i'm thinking this is this is now's the time I could maybe, but I knew my star was fading at the time. I wasn't a producer in demand. We were still uh, coming um, close to where we were going to be making, uh, you know, driving Miss Daisy. It was part of the team that put that together there. Though there's some dispute on how much I was involved. And, uh, you know, I can't speak too much about that because of the lawsuit there, the agreement we made. But I was there. You know, that was that was the last big gasp I had there. Um, so I walk up and I see Dale Hannah. She's got uh, the long, uh, long, luxurious hair there. Uh, and I and I said, Ms. Hannah, I would like to uh, introduce myself. I am a producer extraordinaire. Uh, and she goes, Dutch Allen, I know. And I said, oh, you've heard of me. My reputation precedes me. And she says, no, your six wives do. 
And I was like, I understand what's going on here. I understand it, and I'm going to walk away. And I said, you have a nice evening. Enjoy the musical stylings of Dawn Henley, and we're going to call it a day. And she said, thank you very much. And I walked on. And I think that's a lesson to you. I see far too many of these young gentlemen out there, and I, I, I shouldn't even call them gentlemen because they aren't. I see far too many of these kids out here, uh, these men uh, with the testosterone. And I understand. I understand you got things pumping through your veins and you got things, you know, hormones pumping through things that aren't veins. You know what I mean? Uh, and a lot of times you uh, you see a young lady uh, that you might be interested in and you go and you make some sort of move. And that's fine. The move is part of the dance. It's part of the dance of life. That's how that's how I, you know, got married every time. At some point, you have to make a move. And I know times have changed. And times are changing. Maybe the man doesn't always need to make the move. I, I'm okay with that there. But there's something kind of traditional about that. And I, again, I know PD, not everyone likes traditions as much anymore. And that's fine. Dutch Allen has no problem with that there. But, uh, you know, you, at some point, you have to declare your intentions. And in this moment, it was ill-begotten. But I uh, decided to, you know, subtly declare my intentions to Daryl Hannah. The intentions denied. And I, I took the cue. I took the cue. And there's so many of these young men out there, they don't take the goddamn clue. Take the goddamn clue. If the lady's not interested, it's not necessarily has anything to do with you. It might have everything to do with you. In a lot of cases, it does. But it just might mean she's not interested. She's not available. She just had, uh, a, a, you know, a nice steak dinner, and she's full, and she doesn't need any fun for the rest of the night. Maybe she's got a man at home. Maybe she's got a lady at home. You don't know. So don't take it so personal as if you're, you know, you know, uh, it's, it's a personal affront to your manliness. Tom Selleck is the manliest man that there ever was. Um, and, uh, you know, he knows, even he knows, even Tom Selleck knows his true place in life and doesn't let it go to his head. If Tom Selleck can do that, you can do that too. I swear to God, I see these young guys all the time, and they're out there at these Hollywood parties. I still show up. People invite Dutch Allen to Hollywood parties just to kind of uh, have some status there. Like, I'm like the Hall of Fame player. They invite to the baseball game to sit in the front row and wave. That's what I do. I go to these parties, and I see all of them. I see all of them, and I understand. This title producer, we use it a lot at H-Town. Producer. Anyone can be a goddamn producer. How do you... Produce, though. Do you have results? Do you produce results? That's how That's how you measure success. But anyone can say, hello, I'm a producer. Here's my card. Come to my office. And I see it all the time. And it's one thing to try. I'm okay with you trying. I'm okay with you trying. If you're a man looking for a lady, man looking for a man, lady for looking, looking for a man, lady looking for a man, and a man and a woman, I don't care. You make your move. But the person says no. You move the blank on. Right? Am I right? Yeah, I'm right. Alien. That's right. Alien. I'm up there on Mulholland Drive in my Corvette. The top is down. It is probably no more than 11.38 in the p.m. So we're not talking the dead of the night or the early morning hours with a chill or a haunting chill, Petey. I swear... To all that is holy, I'm driving up there on the road, and you think I'm going to say that there was something in the clouds or in the sky. Well, this is Los Angeles. And the thing about Los Angeles, or Sam Elliott says in The Big Lebowski, Los Angeles, there's always things in the sky. Helicopters, 
Aeroplanes. More aeroplanes. Helicopters on top of aeroplanes. Birds. Birds dressed as aeroplanes. They're all up there. At any point, you could look up and see something. Satellites. Comets. Fairies. Wizards. I don't care. It's Los Angeles. They're up there. No, Petey. I didn't look up. I'm weaving on the road, and I don't mean weaving, driving while under the influence. No, I'm just, the road is so curvy. I'm trying to get to a destination. And all of a sudden, I turn the corner there. I turn the corner there, and, uh, you know, what do I see? I swear my life, I see some ghostly apparition. Maybe a little green Maybe a little cubed kind of a little round cue ball type of head. Big eyes. Alien. Swear to God. Swear to God. I'm driving maybe 42 miles an hour. And I turn around. I turn around. I swear to God. I turn around. Or Or excuse me. I'm turning the corner. It turns around is what I'm trying to say. Even now. It's in my head and I'm freaked. That's why I'm messing up the words here. And it turns around, I'm probably 20 yards away. Roman Gabriel could hit a wideout at 20 yards with pinpoint accuracy back in the day for the Rams. I am 20 yards out on my life and approaching fast, 42 miles an hour. This thing turns around and it says to me, please no Dutch. Come again? What now? Please, no Dutch. I can't believe it. There's no possible way that an alien being would know me. I wouldn't, I would have remembered if I had some sort of power lunch or or met an alien previously. As I slam on my brakes, because I'll tell you what there, Petey, I don't believe the alien moved its mouth. And I'm not sure it just had one mouth, but I saw all of them and they weren't moving. I think it was communicating to me directly in my mind. What do you call that? Telepathy? It was telepathic. All right? I'm smoking now because I'm nervous. I slammed the brakes on the car. The thing puts its hands up as if it's to say, no, no more. And a peace comes over me. Swear to God. Peace comes over, over me. And I think, if this is it, if this is how I go... So be it. There's nothing I can do at this point. So I slam on the brakes. The lights on the car and the Corvette are on. I flip them off. Flip the lights back on. It's gone. Hand to God or whatever you believe in. I'm telling you, it was there that it was gone. Swear to God. Swear to God. It's just about 1985. It was 1985. And, and it was a crazy time. A lot of people in town doing cocaine. A uh, lot of people in town working long hours trying to make the bucks at the picture show business. And, I, you know, I'm not saying I'm completely innocent there, Petey, but I wasn't partaking in anything that night other than driving the F home. I started the car back up again. And I slowly inched forward. And I thought about, do I go knock on a door because there's a lot of houses up there. Do I knock on a door and say, please call the authorities or maybe the Ghostbusters because something uh, is not right here. 
Who's going to believe me? Who's going to believe me? I don't believe me. I don't believe me even now, except I know it was true. I drove home that night. I had a pint. I'm saying a pint of whiskey, not a pint of beer. I had a pint of whiskey. Took a cold shower to make sure I was awake. Passed out on the living room floor using the pint bottle, the pint glass, as a pillar. I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget that day. We're going to take a break here, but when we come back here on Inside Tinseltown with Dutch Allen, we're going to talk a little bit about expectations of fans, what you can do, and, uh, you know, when you uh, have dragons and boobs on the television show. It's Inside Tinseltown here on the Knapsack Files podcast feed. We'll be right back. Give me that drink. I'm not, I'm not lying, Pete. Alien, I'm saying. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Back here on the other side of the break, Dutch Allen here inside Tinseltown. Talk about aliens. A lot of you probably don't believe my story, and that's fine. I can live with that. I've lived with it since about 1984, which was a year, weird year to be thinking about aliens. Haley's Comet was around that time frame. I think Haley's Comet brought a lot of aliens with it. I swear to God. But anyways, we're here. Inside Tinseltown, we talk movies because that was my career for a long time. I used to tell people, go picture, kid. You got go picture. I used to make the movies, but I also dabbled in TV. I like TV, and I was a big fan of the Game of Thrones uh, TV program by uh, uh, Danny and uh, Dave, uh, who put together a great show for eight seasons there. And I know a lot of people have some opinions on the show. And it, it created quite a controversy, uh, and I understand it. Uh, not everything is going to go the way you want it. And I also don't want to sit here and belittle anyone who's got an opinion on the show. Some people's opinions are stupid. And that's the truth. Some people can watch a program or a movie or read a book and just not get it. Not everyone is the sharpest tool in the shed, and that's fine. I don't fault those people. They seem to be the loudest, but that's okay. But if you're watching the show and you're a reasonable person there of a reasonable level of intelligence and common sense, you might just not like something, and that's fair. And I don't want to slight those people. As PD, my producer, and I sit here, we understand that some of you might have uh, had a negative opinion about the show. I think a lot of it can be explained. I think a lot of it can be looked at from a certain point of view, and I think you can learn from a lot of it. Just calm the F down and watch the show again. I think a big problem is expectations, but again, that's not for everybody. There's a danger 
in trying to adapt something that's already popular. And then there's a danger once you make something and it becomes tremendously popular and takes a life of its own. I know a lot of people who watch Game of Thrones did not read the books by George R. R. Martin. And uh, I've, I've, I've poked through them, studied the maps. I like maps. Dutch Allen likes maps. Um, I, I didn't take them in uh, as much as other people, but that doesn't, in fact, uh, affect my uh, in uh, you know view of the show, and it ho- hopefully doesn't affect yours. They're two separate things, but you cannot deny that uh, if you make something that's based on something else, you're going to have an extra uh, round of opinions, and then if that thing becomes really popular and, and has characters and arcs and story arcs that people want, and you get the big go picture for that, people are going to want the show to go a certain way. And even if they they understand where you're taking it or understand where you did take it, they still might have a problem with it there. Everyone, of course, is a screenwriting expert now, if you go on Twitter, but that's a different conversation there. Uh, uh, Danny and Dave made this uh, show, dragons and boobs and swords and spells and kids that can't walk but they can fly and uh, wolves that uh, eat people. It's, it's spectacular. And I love it. And I love the show. Love the show. It was on so long, I went I went through two marriages while it was on. Um, I loved the final season. I thought the final season was really good. I understand the critique that it moved fast because guess what? It did move fast. Congratulations. You observed something correctly. It moved fast. It moved fast because I think it had to. These characters were established, and we needed to get to the big things. And the quiet little campfire conversations are still there if you're looking for them, but they're not as much and not as long and not as highlighted as they were in the first couple seasons. Guess what? They can't be. The world's on fire. The world that you've created and you've pulled all of us in is on fire. So what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do? But that's neither here nor there. The show wraps up and people have opinions. And I can tell you right now, it's a hard thing to do. We, back in the day, uh, you know, after Star Wars and Georgie Lucas and all that stuff and the Star Trek pictures were coming in there. Spielberg was uh, looking around and had his Indiana Jones picture. We People were looking for the things. Now, Flash Gordon didn't work. Uh, fate has an interesting way of working out because George Lucas, of course, as we know, Georgie wanted to do Flash Gordon. Uh, it didn't work out, uh, so he decided to create his own thing, which, by the way, that's, a, that's saying something, too. I know there's a lot of people out there who make pictures and they're called fan films, and I think they're great. I think they show a lot of talent and resolve and passion for the project you love. But uh, if you have that much talent and a passion for creating, why don't you just goddamn create? Why write a cover song if you can write a hit single? You know what I mean? So George wants to do Flash Gordon, something he wanted probably to do his entire life, and Georgie Lucas does not get the rights to it because he'd, you know, THX 11381 it's a little different. Bobby Duvall's in it. That's about it. It's good. It's artsy. I like it. American Graffiti, which if I talk about too much, I'm going to want a milkshake and a cheeseburger. Uh, that gets him on the playing field. But not enough to get Flash Gordon. And there's probably a lot of rights and family estates and all those kind of things. It's an old property, right? I understand it. But studios at the time, we weren't saying go picture to this kind of stuff. But he gets it done. He gets Star Wars done. He creates his own thing. No Flash Gordon? I'm not going to do a fan film of Flash Gordon. I'm going to do my own story. I think that's pretty powerful there. And I'm sorry if I come off a little bit grumpy about that. 
Um, I think, again, like a documentary, if you love something, you want to make a documentary about it, about what it means to people, how it came to be. I, I love that kind of stuff. That's a great thing. I'll turn on the Netflix and watch a documentary on a movie I haven't even seen. But it's fascinating. Stories I haven't even seen. Uh, check out Batted Bastards of Baseball on Netflix. Great. with uh, Cody Russell's in it there. So um, his dad owned a ball team. Yeah, um, George makes uh, Star Wars, and it's a big hit, and we all now, we're changing the game. With tentpole pictures, tentpole franchises is something you should term you hear now in the trades, but back then we didn't quite know what it was, but we felt what it was. We needed to get it done there. We needed to get some big properties, and a lot of people were turning to uh, fantasy novels. And it made sense. Uh, Georgie Lucas had made his own fantasy, but there was other things out there. There was years and years and years of it. I know they were trying to do uh, some of the John Carter from Mars stuff. Uh, so we got this idea, me and my producing partners at the time, to go to the wild world of Oz. You know, and I'm talking about the Wizard of Oz, Dorothy, Ruby uh, Slippers, uh, Scarecrow, Tin Man, all that crazy stuff there. Those are popular stories there. And so we optioned, uh, in 1980, there was a uh, novel that came out. It was in the series. They call it the, uh, the Oz books uh, because uh, Frankie Baum that wrote the series, uh, L. Frankie Baum, um, you know, considered Oz to be a real place um, and considered himself to be like the historian of Oz. And he wrote a lot of stories and other people wrote stories. And so I got this idea with some friends of mine. There was this children's novel that came out. Eloise Jarvis McGraw and a daughter, uh, Lauren, wrote it. And I uh, had lunch with him. I took him out to the Ivy and uh, over there in La Cienega area uh, and uh, Robertson over there, I should say. And um, it's around the corner off La Cienega. You could take La Cienega and I think if you want to go uh, Santa Monica, make a right, then make a left on Robertson. It's easier than going to Wilshire, going up Robertson, because then it's on the left-hand side there. Take it from Dutch Allen. Um, but I took Eloise and Adada, who had written a book. Uh, uh, Dickie Martin had done some pictures. I really loved the pictures. And it was a book they called uh, The Forbidden Fountain of Oz. And I thought, wow, what did, we got Star Wars. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Raiders of the Lost Ark. We've got to get into the wild world of Oz and this forbidden fountain of Oz. I'm immediately intrigued. I see this title, The Forbidden Fountain. People like fountains, water, it's relaxing. And if something's forbidden, people want it more. And then Oz, everyone knows, everyone knows. Judy Garland, Wizard of Oz, the classic for a reason. It's one of the it it could have been a big tentpole franchise back then if they'd done it right. But I wasn't there. I wasn't in control. So we get the rights after this lunch here. We get the rights to uh, Forbidden Fountain of Oz. And I said, you know, let's turn this in. And it's kind of, uh, um, uh, you know, they and the thing about the McGraws, they knew, they knew Oz. They wrote a book uh, in the 60s called Merry-Go-Round in Oz there. And so... I, I said, uh, you know, we're going to make this big, and it's essentially we're going to be doing the de facto sequel to The Wizard of Oz. And they liked the idea there. Turns out they liked the idea. I liked the idea. But at the end of the day, we were the only ones. 
and I could not t- uh, get any of the big studios. I went to I went to Fox. I said, "You just got a big hit with Star Wars. Uh, you got the sequel coming out. Uh, you got you lost the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Stevie Spielberg took it over to, uh, to Paramount. You need another hit. This is a, a proven property." proven property with the great stories of Oz, uh, you know, and they said, we can't get Judy Garland back for this. You know, what you can't do, you can't, she's not there, no one's going to watch this. What are you going to do? What are you talking about there? I, say, I know, I understand what's happened. I understand real life has taken, uh, 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 you know, a, a, a dark turn for the casting of this picture. I understand that. I understand that. But I'll tell you what, you know who we do have out around that could do this there? Yeah, you could, you, yes, that's right. Liza Minnelli. And I said, let's bring Liza in here and let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, put in the picture. And she doesn't necessarily even have to uh, be, uh, you know, Dorothy. She doesn't have to do that. She could be another character, but she should be related to Dorothy, you know? Comes back to help. Uh, and, uh, and, and what ended up happening there is people got afraid. And they also said, this book's pretty popular and people know it. And I got told by several studios, and Alan Ladd Jr. sat down with me and had a conversation. He's a very calm guy. I just said, you know, Dutch, I don't think, uh, I don't think that people, uh, I don't, I don't think, I don't think people will uh, find that this movie uh, meets their expectations, and we're going to pass. I said, okay, Alan, you got Star Wars, do what you got to do. So everyone, he passed, uh, Paramount passed, uh, Orion Pictures was new and formed, they passed, everyone Everyone passed. MGM passed. Everyone passed. And I was devastated. Uh, and everyone kept saying, we understand the appeal, but people love Oz and they love Wizard of Oz. There's no way we can meet their expectations. And it got shut down. A few years later, not too long later, it seemed, uh, the return to Oz with uh, Feruza Balk shows up. And I thought, I like that picture. I don't think it's as popular as the first one. I understand. It's not as iconic. But I, I'm telling you, it's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. And I know they tried a couple uh, years ago with, I think, the, the, the Jimmy Franco kid doing a bit of an Oz one there. It didn't work for me, but it was a good try. And I think it's still possible. If I was in the producing game, I would do an entire series, an entire franchise set in the wonderful world of Oz. There's so much there. You could go and go and go, but you call me crazy. So I understand it. I understand the frustrations that Danny and Dave probably had making this Game of Thrones show. They know the expectations are crushing them. They know there's almost nothing they can do that would make it right. But they got a go picture, and I didn't. So I give them all the kudos in the world for taking something from George R. R. Martin, by the way, who said, I don't want this to be adapted. I'm going to make it complicated, layered, and rambling. So a lot of descriptions of eel pies. Uh, and it's not going to be a good movie. It's not going to be a good TV show. They took it and made it into one of the most popular programs of all time. And if they don't get scoreboard for that, then why are we even playing the game? Uh, Danny, Danny uh, uh, Weiss and Dave Benioff, who's, by the way, married to Amanda Pete, who's a, a great, uh, great person, um, and would be, if you know, I'll tell you what, I put her in, I would put Amanda Pete in my Oz picture as one of the Wicked Witches. It doesn't have to be one of the ones you're familiar with. It could be a brand new Wicked Witch. Wicked Witch of the Northeast. Wicked Witch of Due South. I don't care. Or maybe a little off, off South. Southwest. I think she's great. She's got a great presence. Great eyes. They burn through the camera in a good way. Um... 
I feel so Danny and Dave, I think they've done everything they could. They have to make decisions. And if you don't like those decisions, bupkis. It's not your program. And that's okay. You don't have to make TV shows to appreciate TV shows or have an opinion about TV shows. I don't want to give people that opinion. I don't want to, I want that. I, you know, if you're a fan, you're a fan. And the goal of every creator is to meet expectations. You don't want to create something that no one likes. All right. Dutch Allen has failed many times and he's gotten back up. But I regret never being able to produce the Forbidden Fountain of Oz. I think it would have been a great picture. And I had to apologize. I'm telling you what, I had to apologize to Eloise and Lauren when uh, that picture didn't happen. And Eloise Jarvis McGraw passed away in 2000, and I was there at a funeral. And she was, uh, she, you know, she had a tough life at the end. She, she lost a battle with cancer, but uh, I remember thinking um, I could have made her, made her story. Uh, I could have made her story something big. And it's one of my regrets. I don't mean to end it on a down note. I don't need, I, you know, all right, let's try to end it on an up note here. You want to end on an up note? My favorite milkshake in the world is Mel's Drive-In on Sunset Boulevard. There's some other ones in town. There's one off of Highland and Hollywood. It's, it's franchised. But I like going to the one on Sunset Boulevard, and I will get myself a large tostada, and I do mean it's large, and a butterscotch milkshake. I'll tell you what. You want to hear angels sing? You want to hear... Your birds chirp. You want to feel something in your loins? Have a butterscotch milkshake at Mel's Drive-In. I'm telling you, I'm thinking about it now, and I think we got to end the show so I can head over there and get one. Petey, you want one? I think you should have one. That's it for this week. That's it for this week here on Inside Tinseltown. We want to thank the uh, high supporters here. Uh, the executive producer supporters on patreon.com slash catnapsock. These are the people that pledge uh, the money there to uh, Ken and uh, help make these podcast feed possible. It's uh, DJ Snacks, Thomas Rizzling, Logan X, Matthew Simon, Bedore, Matt Thompson, Taymor and his brother Abdul, the brother's butter, Donald Long, Nathan Ovendale, and Zach Anderson there out in Wisconsin. Those are some good people that make this possible there. You can support, too, at patreon.com slash catnapsuck. Go to catnapsuck.com. Little Caddy Napsuck's got a book out there called Why We Love Star Wars. If you haven't picked it up now, go over there on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, IndieBound, and all those places. Just go to the website and find a link there. It's a good book. It's a good book. I think Georgie Lucas would like it, but I tell you what, um, I don't think Georgie will ever read the book. It's a shame, though. Uh, maybe someone could get it. I'd love someone to get the book to Ryan Johnson, though. That guy went through hell. Uh, anyways, uh, that's the story. You could subscribe, uh, review all the things with the podcast you like. Uh, leave a message here on Anchor. Support directly on Anchor. You know the drill. That's it for now. Petey, I'm telling you, Petey, let's go get a milkshake. It smells. You don't even have to get the butterscotch one. I'm telling you. Good Dorothy. She could have done it. 
franchise possibilities. I didn't get a go picture. Let's get out of here.